Welcome to the Community Church Podcast. This is the fourth week of our series on Matthew 12 called Not My Messiah. If you'd like to take notes, there's a link for that in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. And without further ado, here's Pastor Mike. Now, this morning, we're going to come back to the study that we've been doing. We've been in in the study of the uh, book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, which is about, you know, Jesus' life. The Gospels tell us about his life and ministry. And, uh, and specifically here in Matthew 12, it's really looking at, at how, you know, the contrast between kind of the, uh, the Pharisees who just rejected Jesus and, and you know, didn't like his message and, and what it means to follow him. And, and this morning, I'll tell you, we're going to look at a really practical passage, one that's, that's very meaningful. I'm going to share with you. It's been very meaningful, very convicting to me. Uh, it's had a significant impact on, on me, on my life, on my words, on my marriage, and um, and I, and I hope that it, and pray that God will use it to speak to you as well. It's incredibly relevant for us all. We're looking at Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37. And so if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to open it up, to turn there with me. And, uh, and, and then I'd encourage you to keep your Bible open throughout our time this morning so you could follow along in the passage throughout our time of study. But let me begin by reading the passage we're gonna look at. Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 33. Jesus said, Either make the tree good or its fruit and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brought of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. May God bless the reading of his word. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege that we have to be here this morning. Father, to again, to be able to study your word for the truths that are here, for the relevancy, how you speak to real life. And Father, I thank you that your, your son has given us these truths. I thank you for the way that you have not only taught me, but for the way that you've, over the years, used this passage to convict me and to change me. And uh, Father, for just how relevant and real it is. And Father, I pray now that you would speak through me and in spite of me, Father, that, that your word would flow and that your spirit would somehow speak to each one of us, meet us where we're at, at our place of need. Father, I pray your blessing now in our time, on your study. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I think if we were all honest, we would have to admit that there are times that we think about saying something And then we evaluate what we're thinking about saying and we think that we better not say what we were thinking about saying. You know, there's a little self-restraint and discipline that can solve a lot of problems. But then some of you may be like me where you'd have to admit that there have been times that we think about saying something and then we don't take a moment to reflect but we just go ahead and say it. And only after we say it, then we start to think about, was that a good idea to say that or not? You know, just like, and, and, Suddenly, in fact, I, I imagine there's some spouses that are looking at each other and say, yes, you do that. You did that this morning. And, and uh, I, I don't think I'm the only one that has done that. And in fact, I, I think about this. I remember a story a long time ago. It was back when I was in eighth grade. And you say, that was a long time ago. Yeah, this is a story I can't forget as much as I'd like to. Um, back when I was in eighth grade, uh, we had this math teacher. And this guy was a nice guy, but he didn't know how to teach. And, and he didn't know how to control kids. And so when you put a guy like that in a group of eighth graders, 
it didn't go really well, and the class was pretty consistently out of control. And, and this one day, we were probably more out of control than usual, and, but I wasn't acting up. I wasn't part of the problem. I, I was back in the back sleeping. Now, now, not that that's what you're supposed to do in class, but I wasn't, I wasn't actively part of the problem. And, um, and, but everyone else was, and, and the teacher just lost, lost it, and, and he started going off and saying, you know, the class has been so bad, and he's going to assign this, you know, over the home, uh, weekend, this hugest homework assignment, and he turned to the board, and he started to write this huge assignment on the board of what we had to do this weekend. Now, I was in a bad mood, and I'm just waking up, and suddenly I hear about this extra assignment, and I'm thinking, I haven't been doing anything bad, I've just been back here sleeping, you know, and it's like, and, and, and I'm upset by this. And so I just then spoke up and in a very explicit terms, told him exactly what I thought about that assignment and where I thought he could put it. And, um, and as soon as the words came out of my mouth, the whole class became quiet and turned and looked at me. And at that point, my brain began to work. <laughs> and I started to think, did I actually, did I just think that or did I actually say that? And if I said that, what was I thinking? And, and I realized the problem was I wasn't thinking. That's why I said that, you know, just, and, and suddenly again, my brain works a little more and I think, no, now I'm really in trouble. I mean, it's, you know, it's, you know, now I don't know about schools today if that would be that shocking, but this was like 40 years ago. People generally didn't cuss out their teachers in the middle of the class. And so I'm not only in trouble with the school, I'm in trouble with my parents, especially when they find out. Now you might be thinking, why in the world is why you were sharing this? And, and well, let me tell you what the moral of the story is not for those that are in middle and high school. The moral of the story is not, Pastor Mike cussed out a teacher, so it must be okay for me to do it. No, that's not what I'm saying. It was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Um, now, one of the things that I could draw out as a truth is that I could say, hey, you know, your pastor is a lot like you. You know, as a teenager, I did a lot of things that were stupid and that I regret, and hopefully I'm doing less of them now, but I'm still growing in the middle of this. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that I didn't come out of the womb with a Bible in my hand. I, you know, this, this is not my baby picture, okay? That's, uh, that's not me. I was not, you know, I, yeah, I drew my parents crazy. And, and God uses me because of his grace where he uses flawed people, not because I've ever been a perfect Christian. And so it illustrates as God uses imperfect people. And so even if you've messed up in some really embarrassing ways, God is able to not only forgive you, but he's able to use you. Now, now that's one point, but the bigger point that I wanna to try to draw from this is related to what Jesus is teaching here in Matthew chapter 12. You see, even back then, I would say that I was a Christian and I was a, tried hard to be a pretty good kid, and I generally was not the kind of kid that would cuss the teacher out in class. And, and, uh, and in fact, when I did that, it was so out of the norm that when we told my parents, I mean, they, they were like, they didn't know what to think. They didn't know how to respond. They didn't know how to discipline me. And, and, and they're like, they like, well, that's not like you. That's not usually the kind of thing you would do. And I'm like, that's a good defense. I think I'll go with that. And you said, that's not like me. I'm, I don't know. I was just sitting there and somehow those words came. I don't know where they came from. And uh, now the problem is, is that it was a good defense, but it was totally not true. Now, you might look at that and you say, well, I generally didn't say those things a lot, and that's true, but I thought them a lot. And the, and the thing is, I was usually more self-controlled, and that was a moment where my defenses were down and the real me came out. So I couldn't say, well, that's not me. No, that is who I am. That's, that's who I was. See, and it's actually, again, it's, um, kind of showing something that, that Jesus is teaching here. 
that our words reveal who we really are. That's what Jesus is teaching here in Matthew chapter 12. He's saying that why we like to say that, you know, well, I did that, well, that's not who I am. You know, that's not, that wasn't me. Jesus contradicts that and say, no, whatever you say, even those careless words, they actually show who you really are. They, they reveal your true heart. And Jesus starts that by, in verse 33, really dealing with kind of an appealing to this teaching of this natural relationship between a tree and its fruit. Look at verse 33, Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. Now, it points to a basic truth that we understand is unarguable in biology and, and nature about trees. The essence of a tree, what it really is, will always be revealed by the fruit it produces. So let's say, for example, in Ohio, many of you know that, okay, there's a lot of apple trees, there's apple orchards. And so we've gone out, in our, you know, when our kids were younger, we'd love to go out and we'd go to the apple orchard in the fall time and we'd pick apples and, and uh, that's wonderful. Now, we used to live in Florida. When we lived in Florida, it was common to find orange trees. People, many people had orange trees in their backyard. Now, if I were to go to the first picture and say we have a, a tree like that, you may not know a whole lot about understanding trees, but if you see that tree, most of us are gonna be able to tell that's an apple tree. Or if you were to run across this tree, most of us could pretty easily tell, well, that's an orange tree. And you're like, well, how can you do that? I don't know trees. Well, it's obvious. There are oranges hanging from it. You just look at the fruit. That tells you what kind of tree. And, and a tree is revealed by the fruit it produces. Now, it's not the fruit that determines the tree. So for example, I can't go out and say, well, let me get some bananas and I've got, a, you know, I've got an oak tree in my backyard and if I go up there and tape some bananas to the branches, it's gonna become a banana tree. No, that, the fruit doesn't determine the tree. Um, you know, that it, 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 the, the nature of the tree determines the fruit and it will always naturally produce the fruit that is consistent with that nature. That's true in the biological world and Jesus is saying the same principle is true in the spiritual world. He's saying, okay, when you look at this, you've got to understand. Now, now in a broad sense, he's actually con, con, uh, kind of contrasting something about religion and the emptiness of religion and externals versus true faith in Christ. So you say, okay, in his day, you, the religious leaders of that day, how they viewed religion, as many people are do now, religion often is something that focuses on rules, it focuses on the externals, it focuses on a performance and how we look. It's about what we do, you know, here are the rules, and if you keep the rules, then, you know, God's upset if you don't, but then you just gotta do, try harder, do self-discipline, uh, change what you do. But the focus is the external. It's accomplished through self-discipline and effort. In a sense, if we take it to the illustration of the trees, it's almost saying religion is saying what really matters is what fruit you have. And so therefore, you know, take, you know, take some apples and oranges and, and just go out, whatever tree you have, and just tape the fruit on there. And if you have the right fruit, if you have the externals, then you're good. Now the problem is, again, that might look good in the short run, but it's, it's just, it's an external, it's, it's fake. And Jesus is saying, no, the real issue isn't necessarily the externals, it isn't just the fruit. The fruit is an evidence of the real issue, which is the heart, it's who we are. And God, a relationship with God is something that God wants where he changes who we are, he changes our character. Jesus focuses on relationship with God, and that relationship with him will change our heart. See, being a follower of Christ is all about having a relationship with Jesus. 
And that means submitting to him as the word and God in our life, letting him define what's true, letting him expose the sin, not only what I do, but who I am, the sin in me, and then giving him the right to change me from the inside out, to change my character. And if I let God change who I am, my character from the inside out, in time, I, my, my behavior will change. But it's not now just taping bananas on the thing, it's it literally he's changing who I am so that I naturally begin to produce different fruit. Again, it's changing our nature. It's changing us from the inside out so that we have fruit consistent with that nature. It's not just about rule keeping. It's not just about you know, taping the fruit there, it's letting him change us. Now when we look at this passage here, he looks specifically at one area of fruit. This is a general truth in our life. Okay, here's your life, here's the character, the fruit of your life. But he says, okay, so there's one that really makes this evident. There's one kind of fruit that is, that's kind of the most obvious. And specifically, he's talking about the fruit of our speech. Look at verse 34 and five. How can you, uh, you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so he's saying specifically, if you look at our speech, that's one of the most obvious places where the fruit shows itself. And the problem is, is that we can think we're good and claim to be good, but we have an obvious, the obvious fruit, observable fruit of of, a bad speech. And it shows that something's wrong in us. Look at again, let me go uh, verse 33 again. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. You brought a vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of the good, his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. And he's basically saying, okay, here's the problem. You know, you're claiming to be good, but then I look at your speech, and there's a problem with your speech that's coming out that says, hey, the, the fruit's bad, and it's pointing to a heart problem, a deeper problem. And then we say, well, what's good and bad speech? Well, I love one of my favorite verses is where Paul talks about this in Ephesians. And he defines it, I think, very, broad, very well. Uh, Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And you look at that and say, that bad fruit, that's corrupting. It's speech that in some way tears down. It, it, it criticizes other people. It, it exposes other people. It, it's it complaining, so it discourages other people. It's corrupting in some way. And on the other hand, what is a good speech? You know, if we, have, if we have the right heart, it's speech that gives grace to those who hear. Why? Because our heart will be defined by grace. And that grace that gives, it builds others up. It's something that encourages, that builds, that empowers, that, that, that's positive. And in this, let me challenge you to think about your speech over this past week. When you think about just not the everyday, but when you think about work and when you think about, you know, those, those difficult moments, you know, when your kids frustrated you, when you had conflict with your spouse, or what did your speech say? What was the character? Was it, was it corrupting? Was it discouraging? Did it build up or did it tear down? Now, I told you in the beginning, this is a very meaningful passage to me because this was something that, that, you know, earlier in my marriage, you know, I was, my speech was, you know, God started to use passages like this that started to reveal, I had some big problems. I had some very, very big problems in my speech. And, um, and specifically, I was becoming incredibly negative, incredibly critical, especially in my marriage. And, um, 
and it showed me that I had a deeper problem. I, you know, I, I had a problem, it wasn't just my speech, it was a heart problem. You know, I have a wonderful wife and, and we had known each other for over four years when we got married and we were really blessed. And, and yet within a couple of years of marriage, I'm, you know, I'm seeing whole problems, I'm becoming critical and, and you know, I'm just complaining, I'm negative. And, and I was too spiritual to come across as purely critical. So, so I dressed it up as sarcasm. And so I had a lot of biting sarcasm. And then to make it worse, you know, Sandy's feelings were hurt and, and it wasn't my problem, it was her problem. She just didn't have a sense of humor. She's too sensitive. So then I'm piling on her for her feelings being hurt. But in reality, what was happening is that I'm tearing down. This is all stuff that is corrupting. It's corrupting her, it's hurting her, it's hurting my marriage, it was doing a lot of damage. And so God confronted me on that. And, and I've got this corrupting and then I said, okay, but instead of my doing things that are building up that it's given grace. No, I wasn't, especially when my, in my family, I wasn't doing that. And at first when God began to convict me of that problem, my first thought was, okay, well, I'm gonna try to change my speech. I'm gonna just try to not say the negative things. I'm gonna try to say something you know, positive. And, and so I tried to do that and it didn't work. It did for a little while, I would not be critical and then something would happen and it would come out again. And the reason is simple because of what Jesus is teaching here. And, and again, this is one of the verses that Jesus used to confront me. Look what he says in event 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. And I had to look at it and say, okay, here's the fruit. I thought the problem was the fruit. And Jesus was saying, no, the problem is the tree. The problem was the fruit was bad because the tree was bad. My heart was critical. My words were critical because my, my heart was critical. And I was trying to take apples on and you know, tape on bananas, but it just didn't work. And so what God was trying to do is to challenge me through these passages to say, no, I needed to understand the source of my words. And we all need to do that. That's what he's challenging us. That the core issue is not just our speech. It's not just what we say. That's the fruit of the problem. The core issue is the heart. That's the tree. And what we say reveals what's in the heart, the real issue. It comes from the overflow. In fact, there's another passage, there's one, another passage that teaches this idea really powerfully is in James chapter three. And in James three, he uses a different illustration, not that of the tree, but of a stream and of a, you know, of a, of a lake. And he says that basically that, you know, that our hearts are like this lake and then out of the overflow of what's in this lake, that's what comes down the stream. And if we're looking at it, we're saying, well, the problem is what's at the bottom of the stream. Well, you could try to clean up the bottom of the stream, but you really got to go up into the lake. That's where the pollution is. Look what he says. Can I, does a spring pour forth from the same, uh, same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And again, what's the problem? Is it's, we have a storehouse, a reservoir. And so I've got this salt pond and I'm sitting there trying to clean it up at the bottom. And he's saying, no, the problem was at the top. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Look at again, verse 35. Jesus says, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil poor, poor person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. And it's that same idea that we bring it from the, the pond at the top. And I think James is saying it's very similar language because that's what he's trying to do is to echo Jesus' teaching here. See, the idea is that our words flow from our heart. And because they always flow from our heart, they always reveal our heart. What's really going on? 
So many of us, we're gonna lose our temper and for some, you know, somebody will cause us to let our guard down and we're gonna say things we shouldn't. And, and, and then we, what we tend to do is we wanna use that event as an excuse and say, well, you know, they did that. They caused me, they got me mad. That guy that pulled me out, you know, he caused me, you know, I cussed, you know, because I cussed him out because of him. And almost like the idea that again, if it weren't for that, I wouldn't have done that. But again, what Jesus is saying, no. That just reveals what's in us. And what we need to realize is that the actions of others never cause us to say something. They never cause us to sin. The actions of others, all they do is that they reveal the sinfulness that's in our heart. It exposes that bitterness that's there. Again, Matthew, Matthew 12, what does Jesus say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of evil treasure brings forth evil. And it's saying that whatever comes out just indicates what's within you. Now let me try to illustrate this. I've, I've used this before, but I can't think of a better illustration. I've got a couple glasses of water here and it's kind of like two different kinds of hearts. And you know, and the one on, the, on this overhand, you know, this, this is water, but it's got all kinds of vinegar, salt in here. You, you know, you don't want to drink this water. I mean, it's very, not only salty, it's very sour. Um, this water, you know, it's very fresh water, it's very sweet. Now the thing is, is that I look at this and I say, let's well, if you just have this one. And I go by and, and you know, I, I just kind of bump this, you know, because water comes out. And what kind of water comes out of there? Well, fresh water, sweet water, good water. Now, if on the, on the other hand, I'm coming by and this is what's in here and I, I bump it, you know, and, and water comes out. What kind of water comes out of here? Well, well, here it's the vinegar, it's salty, it's nasty, it's... Now, here's what you've got to realize. The bump didn't fill the glass. What came out wasn't because of the bump. What came out was because of what was already in the glass before the bump got there. And again, a lot of times we say, well, I'm saying these things, what I need to do is I need more self-control, I need to be more careful, I need to, you know, I need to, um, you know, discipline. And what that's doing is it's saying, like, my problem is I need to just put a lip on the glass so that when I get bumped, it doesn't spill over. And again, that might work for a little while, but sooner or later, you're gonna get a big enough bump where it's gonna come out. That's not the answer. All that's doing is trying to hold back the stuff that's in there. And, and the, the thing is, is that um, we've gotta realize, the reality is we're all gonna get bumped in life. Sooner or later, we will try to hold it back, but sooner or later, there's gonna, bumps are gonna come. We live in a fallen world, so we're gonna have people that are gonna sin against us. We're gonna have things happen to our life, circumstances that don't go as planned and, and that are disappointing. We're gonna have people that are gonna betray us or harm us in some way. We're gonna get bumped. That's gonna happen. You're gonna have a crazy driver cut you off. And the, the question is, what happens when you get bumped? What comes out? And again, we have our tendency to say, look, you know, they made me do that. I can't believe they, they, it was their fault. That's what we want to do. But God's saying, no, it was never them. It was, it's you. All that happened is it's a bump and it showed something. It didn't change you at all. It just revealed something that's inside of you. It's not the, your kids. It's not the crazy driver. It's not your spouse. It's not, the, it's not the loss of the sale or the friend that betrayed you in any way that was the source of what you said. Those words come from your heart. They reveal your heart. All that happens is circumstances just reveal, they bring out the real you. Your self-discipline's down for that moment so that it slips out. It's not a problem of self-control. If we have salt water, salty speech, 
vinegar sour speech coming out, it's because we have salt and vinegar at the source. If, if, I, if I speak critical words, it's because my heart was critical. If I gossip, it's because my heart is, you know, cuts other people down. If I lie, it's because there's a dishonesty in the depth of my heart. And the problem is that I'm filled with bitter water that, that's gonna come out naturally when I get bumped. And, and I can't, trying to control my emotions, all that will only work to a limited degree. See, that's not what God's saying, no, I need, I need to not do that, I need to change your character. Now, if this is convicting, and I'm sure it's very convicting to me, bad news is it gets worse. It even gets more convicting, because look what Jesus says in verses 36 and 37. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. He's saying that it's our careless words, the little words that slip out when our defenses are down, those are the ones that are the truest revealer of the true nature of our heart. Now you might say, okay, what's it saying here when it says our words are justified and condemned? It's not saying that we're made righteous. It's we're not saved in any way by works, by what we do. The good things we do, we're not, you know, no, we're not, that's not at all what it's saying. It's not like, well, if you, you, know, if you said this, that God's gonna send you to hell, no. No, you've gotta realize that the Bible's really clear on this. We are not saved by our works. If we were judged by our works, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us match up to God's standards. We would all be in incredible trouble. And because of that sin, because we've all fallen short, it says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. If God were to judge me based on my merit and my goodness, I deserve his punishment. I deserve eternal death. But the good news is he says, while the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so he offers us forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ so that he accepts us not based on what we've done but his forgiveness and, and the righteousness of what Christ has done for us. So it's not saying that we earn our salvation through this but then what does it mean? Say on the judgment day people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. Now here's what it's saying. It's not that we are made right by speaking the right words or God judges us condemns us for speaking the wrong words. Instead, it's saying that it doesn't change our heart, it reveals our heart. So I can say, no, I'm a really good person, I'm really good, and Jesus is gonna say, let's play the tape recorder back. Remember this guy cut you back? That, what does that say about you? Remember when you were really mad at your spouse? What does that say about you? Remember when your kids ticked you off? What does that, that's, that's who you are. It's by your careless words. You will give a judgment on, for every careless word we speak because that's revealing the true nature of your heart. I don't know about you, but what I would like to argue is that, you know, on the whole, I'm a pretty good person, I'm pretty positive, my speech is pretty good. I, you know, you know I, I don't, I'm a pretty encouraging, I'm not that critical, and every once in a while, I, I'm really upset, and every once in a while I say things that I regret, and, and, um, but that's, my defenses are down, something slips out, and, and I wanna argue that that on the whole, 95% of my speech is good, so 95% of my heart's good, and then there's that little corner of my heart that God, well, he'll get to eventually, and I wanna see myself in the best possible light. We all do. But what Jesus is saying is saying, okay, look at that 5%. That 95% is when you're self-disciplined and you're holding something back. What comes out in that 5%, that's revealing something is there. Don't excuse it. Let me dig deep. What is that showing you about something in your heart, some bitterness, some anger, some you know, uh, 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 critical nature, whatever it is, what is God showing us? It's just like when I was in the eighth grade. You know, it's like everybody thought 
good person. I don't say those things. Hey, but when that, at that moment where my, you know, discipline was down, when I was half asleep, the real me came out. That's who I was. And I needed to see that. And Jesus is calling us in the same way to look deeply. You know, saying, if you want to go deep with me, then don't excuse that 5%. Let it reveal something so that I can change you. Why? Because I want to expose the true nature of your heart so I can change it. Again, let's go back to these glasses. I, you know, I have these two glasses of water here. They both got bumped, but only one spilled bitterness and salt. And we're all going to get bumped in life. The only question is what comes out. And you look at this one, okay, this one got bumped. And, and we know of people that when they get bumped, they go through the same things we do, but yet somehow they're still positive. They're not nasty. They don't you know, lose it. They don't cuss. They don't. Why? Because God has done something in their heart, and that's what God wants to do with all of us. But then the question is, how do we do that? How do I get from, if the problem isn't just what I say, but who I am, how do I get from this nasty water to this clean water? And the answer is, is that it only comes by radical transformation. It's not through discipline. It's not by trying harder. It's radical transformation. Go back to the story of, of the illustration of Jesus and the tree. He says, it's not just about the fruit. The fruit reveals the tree. You've got to have its changed nature. You need a new tree in a sense. And James teaches the same idea. And, and look what he says. Look at how he defines it. James chapter three. It says, for every kind of beast and bird and reptile, the sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, is he saying, hey, this can't be done. Just give up. You know, we're all going to struggle with this and there's no victory. No. What is he saying? No human being can tame the tongue. Who can? God can See, it doesn't mean that it's hopeless. What it's saying is, is that because it's an issue of our heart, no person can change their own heart. I can't change myself from this to this, but God can. That's the whole idea. Our only solution is a new nature where we come to God and we not only admit the problem, God, these are the things that I'm doing, these are the things that I'm saying, but God, I need you to change my nature. I'm do, I'm, 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 for me, when I'm going with, have this problem, I had to come in a point of saying, it's not just that I'm being critical and I'm destroying my marriage, I'm hurting my wife, but God, it's not that I'm saying the wrong words, I am a critical person. And it wasn't until I could see that and admit it before God, God, I need you to, you know, there's the vinegar and salt coming out of my heart, or my words, because that's my heart. God, change me. God exposed me, changed me, and, 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 you know, and again, I tried to hold things back and it didn't work. It wasn't until I came and I said, God, it's a hard problem. I need you to change me from the inside out that God began this process. See, but that's even what it says. It says in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's what God wants to do with us. He wants to make us his new creation. He wants to give us a new nature, change us from the inside out. And then once we do that, then what do we, he wants us to then learn to this, have a harvest of good fruit. So again, it starts by saying, okay, look at the tree, look at the fruit, what's that say about you? But, but it's not just, okay, well, you've got a problem, therefore feel guilty. No, no the whole idea that he's saying is, no, I want to change your nature so that he says, okay, first of all, you know, you know, either make the tree good and its fruit good and make the tree bad and its fruit bad, a tree will be known by its fruit. So here's the problem, your fruit's revealing but if that's the problem, then don't try to change the fruit. Don't try to take bananas on the apple tree. Realize that you need God to change the tree. He needs to change us from the inside out at the heart level. 
And what does the good fruit look like? As we saw a moment ago in Ephesians 4, well, the bad fruit is the corrupting and no corrupting talk come to your mouth, but only such as good for building others as it fits the occasion that he calls us to have a harvest of words of grace where I come and I say, God, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need, I need to know this and, and then change me so that, that I become a person that is defined by grace that, that shows up in my words. Now, this isn't instantaneous. And again, I can share this in my own life when I was going through this, you know, in my marriage. You know, again, I'm being convicted and God's, in, 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 at first I try to stop and I couldn't stop myself. And then I started to realize, okay, God, it's a heart problem. And man, I'm a critical person. God helped me to realize that I, I, and I repent of that. And every time that I would think something critical, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just try to stop myself. God, I, I would confess, I'm sorry for being critical, change me. And then it's like, okay, I wanna speak words of grace. And so God help me to think positively, help me to compliment, help me to build up my wife. And, and I wanna tell you how bad it was. I mean, it's, 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 this is totally true. Is that She would do something and I would start to get frustrated and I'd sit back and I'd say, okay, I'm gonna compliment her. And I'd give her a compliment. She'd look at me and say, what did I do now? And it's like, I mean, and that's discouraging because I was so negative that, that my efforts of trying to be positive came across as fake. Now, were they? No. What I told her is it didn't, wasn't you. It's me. I'm sorry for being critical. God's working on me. Just give me time. Now, here's what's happening. God was changing. Okay, he's making me an apple tree. And what happens when you have an apple tree, at first you have tiny little apples. You have these little crab apple almost type of things. You don't want to eat those. They're not really good, but they're growing, and that's a good, you know, you've got to give it a couple of years, but at first they're not very good, and they're not producing much fruit. And that's what was happening is that I had these little crab apples and she's like, that's all you got. And it's like, God's changing me. And the fact is, am I there yet? No, but I've gone a long way. I'm not the same person that I was. And I'm thankful because of the impact that it makes on my wife and my kids and not the negative critical person that, that I was. Because God, I'm asking God to do this change of heart and work in me something that had become a person of grace that has a harvest of words of grace. And the beautiful thing is I share that, not because well, I'm that way because I'm a pastor. No, I'm, I was a pastor when I was so negative. This is a story that many of us are gonna go through. And there may be something where, whether it's critical speech, negative speech, you know, gossip, whatever, whatever it would be. The fact of the matter is we all struggle with this. This is so relevant, so, and, 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 and I like to avoid it, but that's where Jesus comes back and says, no, it's the careless words. What do they say? And so just in close, let me give you a couple questions to ask you to think about application. First of all, what does the fruit of your words reveal about the nature of your heart? Honest self-evaluation. And think about it even over the course of this week. And again, think about not just, oh, well, on the whole, I'm trying hard. No, when you were bumped, when something bad happened, when somebody upset you, what came out? And what does that reveal about the nature of your heart? And if we reveal something negative, it's not to make you feel guilty or walk away and, man, I can't do this. It's, no, God's trying to show you something. And it's not try harder, it's to say, okay, it's, it's yeah, my word said this, but God helped me to realize my heart. I'm angry, I'm critical, I'm negative, I'm, I'm complaining. I'm, God helped me to realize that and confess the heart problem. That's what the gospel is. God, I agree with you. I've got a problem. I can't fix it. I ask you to forgive me and to change me. So what does it reveal about the nature of your heart? Bring it to him. And then when you bring it to him, then the question is, how will you ask God to change your words and your heart? And the key is it's not just your words because if it's just the words, if it's just I want to put different fruit on the branches, that's not going to work that well. 
in the long run. God, I want you to change my heart and be patient and be patient with each other and encourage each other as we're trying along this way. But the fact of the matter is, this is the kind of miracle that God does on an everyday basis. He does make us new creations, new character. He makes us a new tree, changes the fruit that we have. But it's by coming to him and specifically letting the words reveal something about who we are, something about our heart that needs to be broken. Confessing and asking him to forgive us and asking him to change us and change us from the inside out and to give us this new fruit. And I wanna tell you, if we discover that, when we discover the words of grace and speak grace to each other and encouragement, it's gonna make a huge difference in our friendship and our relationship and our marriage and our parenting and because we're gonna come become the people that God has called us to be. He's working that in all of us. I hope he's, you're letting him work that in you as well. And that is it for this week's message. If you have a question about the message, Community Church, or Jesus Christ, send us a text to 330-400-3242. You can learn more about our events and community groups online at ccpl.life connect. There, you can also send in a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Have a blessed Lord's Day, and we'll see you next week.